1: Jeff Swiggett, welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth podcast. Jeff, I got to tell you, I've been waiting all week to do this one.
2: Uh, Me me too, Tom. Thanks for having me on.
1: Well, well, you're quite welcome. And Jeff, uh, I want the audience to know who you are. And uh, we're going to talk a lot about business today, but uh, let's give them a little bio of who you are. Uh, he is the owner. Jeff is the owner of and principal of VR Business Sales of New Haven, which is an M&A advisory firm working with owners of businesses valued between one and 25 million and seeking to sell their business. But prior to that, To that business, Jeff was a partner in a manufacturing business that was sold in 2007, and he's a resident of Madison since 1989 is married and as Jeff says I have three kids and they're all off the payroll. Which is a, a pretty fun. Like, it's been, it's been <laughs> the goal for the last thirty years. Huh? Yeah, I got you. Uh, we all can relate to that. Jeff's quite unique. He's he's. He, I mentioned today that he's a, a a walking hard drive of knowledge. He's very good at what he does. He's got a fantastic reputation, and uh, he knows he knows business. But a nice thing about Jeff is he was in business, so when he talks to businesses, he talks in terms that they understand. So Jeff, you know, I want to rattle your brain a little bit. The first thing maybe is to really ask you how you got started in the business of being a broker.
2: Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I sort of stumbled into the profession. Actually, we are, you know, I, I don't have a, kind of any kind of a investment banking background or M&A advisory background. I mean, it was, I was partners in this many, I have an engineering degree and basically worked in a lot of various uh, manufacturing related ventures for a number of years. Uh, But the last of which was owning this business that a manufacturing company based in the Norwich area that I owned with a partner and we sold that in 2007. And um, you know at that time i was i still had kids to get through college so i mean it was i couldn't retire early on the whole thing and uh um, and i you know i was young enough and i really wanted to do something else as well and, and started to look for another business to buy and um um got started working with business brokers to do that and then kind of got interested in what they were doing and then just decided to to do it myself and and you know, I, I, I didn't have a transaction background other than, other than the business we sold. And and uh, um, so I, you know, I, I decided to hook up with a national franchise called VR Business Brokers, which is, uh, you know, probably the country's oldest business brokerage group. They were founded in the late seventies and, and they're about, you know, 45 individually owned and operated offices. And I started the office in New Haven to do that. So, uh, and that was back in, you know, fall of 2008. Actually, I signed my franchise agreement the day the Lehman Brothers Bank collapsed. So it was, you know, wow. we, we, we had all, only one way to go and that was up, hopefully. <laughs> yes. So we,
1: when you're starting something like that, it was probably not a bad time to start. Well, it's interesting because that's the next question. You Obviously, you've done very well because we know you have a wonderful reputation. My, my center of influences and in people I work that are in your business in the sense of being part of, what you need as a business broker to uh, these people in inventory to know about is um, you've done very well and you've grown your business. So the question would, what as a business owner, what are some of the things that you've done to grow your business over the last 13, 14 years?
2: Yeah, you know, I, th- I think uniquely in my business, because I didn't have a background in the in the, you know... In, in doing kind of uh, advisor transaction work on behalf of, of owners, um, you know, I had to learn a lot. I mean, and, and frankly, what we did is when we first started, we were we were kind of doing the classic business brokers thing, which is you're selling liquor stores and pizza shops along with manufacturing firms. Well, really the, the reality is those first couple of years, we were just selling very small businesses, you know, Main Street businesses, frankly, got it it, and while we were not making a lot of money because these, the nature of those transactions are pretty small, um, it did allow, it did give me a great education in terms of, you know, how it is you affect a, a transaction on the on the, of a of a sale of a business because fundamentally, believe it or not, selling a pizza place is is has got a lot of the same issues as you if you, if you were selling a a manufacturing company that's doing fifteen million in revenue. So in fact, in some ways, it's harder to sell a the pizza place, so it allowed you to, allowed us to, uh, you know, learn, make some mistakes, and kind of educate ourselves. Get involved with a lot of education opportunities uh, through associations in the industry, in, in the M and A market, um, which made us better professionals. And that's been a, a huge priority for me. I mean, is to go through is to take advantage of of all of that that is out there in terms of becoming a better professional, a better MA advisor. And uh, you know, I think as we we as we got along in the business, it was a real priority for me and anybody who was working with me to be a real professional. In other words, I want people to that I that deal with me to say, you know what, that guy really knew what he was talking about, he really helped us out, or you know, he pointed out some things that I didn't understand, and and uh, I wanted to become a real value to it. And I think that's I think by and large we've been successful at that.
1: Yeah, and, it it's, and it
2: and it differentiates us from a lot of other people getting this line of work. You know, from a background like me, I think yeah. also having, you know, having run a business or owned a manufacturing business, and just being able to understand. Kind of the nature of income statements and costs and and, uh, balance sheets and all those issues uh, helps a lot. You know, that 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 gave me a pretty good financial background, although I'm not a financial guy.
1: You know, well, the interesting thing about you that to me is very interesting is um, you're in a profession where you can read about it and learn about it and have academia all your life about it. But until you do it, it's a whole different world. And your, your education really was built around doing. And, and again, and you're right, the manufacturing business obviously gave you a, a focus of some of the things that happened in business because you ran it. But I mean, that's such a great place to come from when you're advising clients, you know? Right. Uh, it's not theory anymore. It's what I've been doing, you know? Right. Um, what two parts to this question. And it's it's really about the concerns that not only you might have as a business owner, but the question is, what most concerns you about being in business? That's one, Jeff. But then that's for you. But the other one is, what do you see that concerns people that you speak with that are in business? So it's two parts.
2: Yeah, you know, I think um, in, in one form or another, I've been in business for myself for you know, 30 years or over 30 years, one form or another. And, um, you know, it's, I guess for all business owners, it's, uh, it's, I, and I think frankly, ones that are successful, they're always looking for that next sale. You know, I mean that you can never forget about the fact that, that you're only as good as that next booking and, and, uh, you know, that's something, and for us, you know, for 13 years of doing this, it's really, I get a transaction done and I can feel good about 15 minutes of it and then I'm looking to get the next one done. And right. we're always looking for for developing relationships with with owners who are, who are not engaged us, but may engage us a year or two years later, something like that. So it's the most important thing I think you ever do is just stay focused on developing your market, whatever it may be in whatever field you're in. Um, you know, it it you know sales pretty much drive everything, and uh, um, and if you're not focused on on doing that, and whether it was any business I was ever in, it was always the same thing. You know, and uh, same thing true in this profession for the last 15 years. You can't can never you can never never let up on it. You know, I I and, I and you have to you have to just continually put your you know shoulder to the grinding wheel to do it. You know. Otherwise, you, you you find yourself at some point with declining revenues. You know,
1: well, like my good friend Bill Door, who's a marketing uh, person for professional, says if you don't, you can you could build the best widgets in the world, but if you don't have people in the waiting room wanting to talk to you about it, you got nothing. So, I right. Get it. But you know, Jeff, you uh, one thing you've really put time in is being a professional broker. And I have to believe your attitude about making sure you did the best you could for the, for your client is really very helpful in getting referred into new business because of your professionalism. So that certainly is something to put the time in and, and pay the price to be professional because it is a price to pay somewhere along the line, time or whatever. And do you feel that's, that's similar to other business owners that you've spoken to about? The transactional part of the business. Yeah, so I I think it's uh, you
2: know I I think whatever whatever business you're in or whatever market you serve, I think there's always a nuance to it that, uh, you know you need to understand, and if you're going to deliver a good product or a good service, you know it's a constant education to figure out how to do that and be better than the next next guy. So, uh, um, you know I think. Uh, you know, often and, and in particular in this business, you know, in in the brokerage business and the M&A advisory business, um, most owners, particularly in the market that we deal with, that's, that's you know, their businesses value valued between one and 25 million bucks. So they're typically family owned, owner operated, uh, maybe the guy who started the business. Um, so when I talk to them and when they engage me, we're probably the first time they've ever sold something. So they've never been through the process and they don't really understand it. It's a comp- and and they, they, you know, there's no reason they should. And uh, so I, I think that that it is it is vitally important for me to to educate them on the process. And, and so they can set their expectations, understand what's going on. Um, and so, you know, a lot of ways, what I tell owners is look, I'm your coach. I'm going to coach you through this whole thing. And, um, hopefully you're going to listen to me and it, the more you listen to me, the better off everybody's going to be. And, um uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna work together to get this done so you, you sort of build a team and and I coach him through it and hopefully it's a good transaction through the whole land so so to be a good coach you really got to understand your profession you just got to understand it really well and uh, you know it's like anything else
1: well you know you bring up a good point which I'm going to talk about later uh, because in my book I talk about developing the team with the advisors because you can't know everything about what's going on. And I noticed when I was reading some of your material, you thought really, you, you were very strong about a team concept, which was good to hear. Um, What are the, what, excuse me, Jeff, what are the changes, major changes you think business owners are facing today from what you're seeing out there beside the obvious? Yeah. So you know, in our market,
2: it is. You know, I, I mean, I, I think there's I mean, we've been uh, and our, and people in my industry have been talking about this a long time. Is that uh, you know there's a a huge pool of businesses owned by baby boomers who are, you know, and I'm a baby boomer and I'm right in the middle of that demographic and and uh, a lot of these folks are getting to an age, you know, where they have to make some choices to do something with their business. And so, um, you know, as, as and, and really you got, you know, a couple of three options with any business in terms of exiting is you can either, either sell it to your employees, you know, give it to, or give it to your families. You can try to sell it to somebody on the outside or you can liquidate it, you know? So if you wanna, if you wanna choose to do, Sell it if there's no one in, either in your family or among your employees or managers who want to buy the business or are capable of owning the business. Then the choices get down to selling it to the outside or liquidating. And um, uh, so I think that that uh, you know the the longer you wait these days, um, you know you're going to be run running into that demographic of a lot of people who owners who who. You know, have waited too long, and they're faced with a lot of lot of baby boomer businesses sort of entering the market and and uh, not getting what they would like, or being competing or competing with a lot of other potential sellers. So, so that's that's sort of a macro demographic is facing a lot of small business owners at this point. Um, I think in the last year, what's faced a lot of business owners is certainly the effect of of kind of the pandemic. Um, you know, it is, it's really seized up the transaction markets last year. Uh, I would say that actually that's, and the effect of that has been is it's pushed everything out, pushed a lot of transactions out about six to nine months. I would say actually 2021 is going to be, I think a good year for, for transactions. I mean, we, we see that in our own business. Um, so, so I think it is, Despite everything that's going on, you know, in the near term, I think it's a it's a good time to sell. Money is 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 cheap, and there's a lot of capital out there looking to invest. Um, so, in the short term, I think it's a good time to sell. In the long term, I think the longer you wait, the more difficult it's going to get.
1: You know, um, I just finished a white paper that I'll publish next week, and it's exactly on what you just said, Jeff, about. The market for baby boomers you know from 1945 to 1964 we had uh, nine million more people maybe even more and our generation wanted uh, wanted to start businesses the money was there but the generation X people the younger people uh, they not didn't want necessarily to work 80 hours a week right <laughs> you know, well, we, as boomers, live to work. They, The Xers work to live and, and acquire things. So like you said, it's tougher. That market has shrunk by 23% of buyers. Let's put the population. Right. So in that being said, it just says more and more that the baby boomers still have a good market uh, because of low money rates and, and they want to, but they have to do the planning in advance. They just can't back yeah. up, right? Yeah, and, and, and say I want to sell. Let me call Jeff. He'll do miracles for me. That's not right. the way it works, right? Right. Um, but that's. I good will say. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, you know, I will say one thing that even since I've been in business doing this business over the last 13 years is is real. that has created a whole whole new level of buyers out there. Is the rise of private equity, and when I talk about private equity, I'm not talking about. You know, the guys you read about in the Wall Street Journal, it's really, uh, you know, in the US, there are sort of seven to 8,000 private equity groups. People will call themselves private equity groups. And, you know, most of them are dealing into what we would call the lower middle market, <clears throat> which are companies valued between, you know, 15 and 150 million. And, um, you know, that is, so if, if your business is sort of in that, you know, valuations of from 5 million to 20 million, it's going to attract, it, there's a whole gang of buyers out there that didn't exist 15 years ago. And so I think in in some ways, you know, for, for it, it has replaced sort of a lot of individual buyers who may have wanted to buy that company with more professional buyers is a better way to look at it.
1: Yeah. And gotcha.
2: so uh you know it is a it's a, that's a new thing new me meaning, meaning over the last 10 years it's really accelerated you have a lot of people pooling capital together um that are looking looking for good investment opportunities and in operating businesses that,
1: that's a good term professional buyers that's more understandable yeah. you know and you're right right um and because it is it could be a buyer's market in the next couple of years but uh, right so jeff when you again, someone calls you and they say, "I want to grow my business," and and what do you suggest that um, they focus on on the business drivers side of things? So I'm a buy. I own a business and I want to sell it in five years. Are there particular uh, value drivers that once you learn about the business that you suggest that they start focusing on to build the potential value for sale?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I think the uh, you know the 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 most basic thing I think a a, a a company should do is to improve their and we we see this a lot is to to get their their financial reporting really pinned down and when I talk about financial reporting, it's not just just putting in, you know, entering everything into QuickBooks. It's really, QuickBooks is a very powerful accounting tool that can do a lot for for almost all companies, but it's to, you ought to use QuickBooks to its fullest capacity. In other words, for instance, when you talk about the private equity community, when they do a due diligence on a deal, um, they got a lot of smart young guys who are taking a look at it. And what they're really gonna focus in on is, is kind of what your revenue streams are what they look like how they segment you know what markets they sell into who your clients which of those markets and which of those clients generate the most profitability for you um you know what's what how sustainable is that revenue so i think that what i would encourage people to do is to really kind of segment their financial reporting as much as possible to give give people as much definition uh, to, to how it is that you're making money and where you're making money and how sustainable those revenues are. Uh, because that's, in, in any business we look at, whether I do evaluation or otherwise, that's the most important thing in terms of trying to really understand it. So, so it's getting, you know, it's spending the time, a number of you, you are years out from, from your business to really get your financial reporting in order. Because it, it one, it'll make you a better business, and two, when you when you get when you get time when you go to sell, it's gonna it's gonna uh, help you out. It'll make the transaction easier and give you a better definition on, on what value is. So that's yeah. that's number one. Yeah, almost in every everything we look at, and uh, and then two, I think once you understand that, I think you can begin to work on on some of the other operating care, you know, like where are your revenues are coming from and should you diversify and and are you too heavily you know, concentrated in certain areas or with certain clients that make you the most money and are the things you can do there? Um, and then, so I think if you can pin that one down and, and work on that, that I think that begins to drive a lot of sort of Operational thinking about you know being becoming more profitable, driving out cost, all that kind of stuff. Plus, I think it begins to get you to focus on your your management team and and uh, you know who's doing what and and uh, you know I think having a good organization in place uh, and having good financial reporting. I mean, it's the difference between selling a business for. You know, four times adjusted EBITDA versus six times adjusted EBITDA. And it, it, whatever investment you have to make in the thing, it 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 pays off big time when you go to sell it. You know.
1: Well, yeah, and you know, you make a good point because it, there is a there is a, a systematic way of looking at value drivers, and certainly the financial picture. Because these people buying these companies, they want to see growth in other opportunities. Right. They also they also uh, want to see a good management team and maybe even a business culture, because uh, from my experience, buyers don't really want the owner there too long. If they're going to hang on for nine months, they're more interested in the middle management team that's been in place. And that just creates more value. I would think if you have a team that's willing to stay with the new owners.
2: Yeah. And I I think that even if you're a, a business is gonna get purchased by a private equity group. You know, what they're gonna do, they're gonna do their own analysis of, of, you know, they'll they'll take a look at your financial statements. They'll take a look at what, you know, how you indicate that you're, you know, where you're making money and and how much money you're making. And then they're gonna do their own analysis on, and, and that includes kind of what markets you're in, what your management team looks like, where it's strengths and weaknesses are. And frankly, they're going to adjust your financial statements to reflect the model that they're going to create once they own the business. And that's what they're going to base their valuation on. So, uh, you know, it, it you may be reporting that you're making 2 million bucks in adjusted EBITDA, but the but the private equity group's going to look at it and say, you know what, we need to hire this guy and that guy. So we're going to take half a million out of that 2 million bucks in adjusted EBITDA. And the real value of this company is going to be based on On you know 1.5 million dollars of adjusted EBITDA, so we're going to pay you this, as opposed to what maybe you thought you were going to get. And uh, uh, so I I think the more you can define that, and the more you can can design your business so that you have a really high functioning business that would be attractive to a professional buyer, you know, the better off you're going to be.
1: And And Jeff, having a key or next level management is really a a tremendous value to this future sale. But what do you suggest to business owners when you're talking about a management team, uh, how to keep your key people in their business long term?
2: Yeah, you know, I think it's... uh, you know, it's 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 just it, from from my perspective, it's probably paying them well and keeping them happy. You know, and so and then treating them fairly and know any other organization I've ever worked with, at least it's it's been a long time since I've worked for somebody. So I, I just assume that any success I ever had keeping people around was based on that. I know they might tell you otherwise. So so, uh, but uh, you know, I think I think it is. Um, just having good talent of people around is always is always a plus, right?
1: Well, it is, and uh, the employer who's not thinking that way is missing the boat because they're these key people are more valuable than the owner. Because right. if the owner's doing his job, he's getting he's delegating out things he did when he started the business, and people are learning how he did it. So these key people end up having this mindset of being an owner. Not that they're gonna be an owner, but they treat the business like that. And you know, you look around the haven, there's some nice businesses with a culture that were the key people have really taken over. And the and the owners kind of come in and make sure the two or three things they do every day is working. And you know, that's where it really is a kind of a cool deal to be a business owner.
2: Yeah, no, I, I think frankly the best best businesses, the most attractive businesses I sell are ones where the owners are working maybe 10 to 15 hours a week in the business. So I think it's and and uh you know I, I there's there's nothing worse than uh you know trying to sell a business where the owner's in there 60, 70 hours a week and and has created a situation where it's heavily dependent upon them being there 60 to 70 hours a week but they want to leave the business when they sell it so I think I think that creates all kinds of problems for a potential buyer you know if you, if you create an organization where you don't have to be there that much then uh, boy that that's uh that's that sure is attractive out there you know to potential buyers
1: it really is and i I've seen it in my practice i I, I got it down to 80 days a year working. To run a multi-million-dollar practice, right? I learned how to do it, and I, I've seen clients of mine, and uh, my nephew is one of them. Owns New England Collision. He he works sixteen hours a week, and he's got a multi-million-dollar business. He and his partner. So it it really becomes it gives you that ideal business life that you're always looking for. That's why you're going right. to business. So it, 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 you go into it. So, Jeff. So let's say uh again I'm a business owner and I'm thinking about buying and I haven't fine tuned it yet. I'm really not sure but I'm just toying with it. Is that a good time for them to call you and have a chit chat with you about things they need to be doing? Yeah,
2: I you know I think that that often I mean what I tell sellers is look wait you, you yeah owners is that is that you know whether you're gonna sell now or you're gonna sell 10 years from now to have have us come in and talk to you and give you an opinion of value i mean for, for nothing i'm i'm happy to do that um we'll just give you a read on what we think the you know take a look at the business we'll do sort of a you know talk to you more about kind of your business take a look at your revenue streams and then kind of recast your financials to to adjust the EBITDA numbers and then we'll come back and and give you what we think the market's going to bear on it. And I think once you have that number, um, it, it gives you things to think about. And and when I talk about things to think about is, okay, what do I do to improve this number? Or for that matter, you go to your financial planner and say, hey, do I need to improve this number to do what I want to do in retirement? And you know, if you do need to improve that number, then then you start thinking about, you know, what you need to do over the next five to 10 years to get, get it to where you want it. But but you can't have those discussions until you really understand what the market's bearing on it. So I think that once you get that number, it begins to generate all kinds of thinking there. And uh, so I'm always happy to, look, I, I, you know, I've been doing this 13 years. I, you know, the other day I got a call from somebody I did a valuation for eight years ago. And, uh, you know, if, if that person wants to, Wants to go to market soon with his business, so I think it's, uh, <clears throat> you know, I think that's that's the kind of thing we're always happy to do, and and it yields results for us personally down the road. But I think it's it's also smart that the owners know what they're getting into,
0: because there's
2: no worse situation for us than 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 owners having to sell their business because of some reason. It may be a health issue or a family right. issue, right. and then not being in a not understanding really. Kind of what the value of that business is when they have to do that so
1: yeah i am um, uh I, I agree with you and you know a lot of business owners think they know the value of their business and in most cases they really don't uh, i right. think they do but they don't so having a conversation about value and here's another point too you know if you're a business owner and you're using your business corporate checkbook to do a lot of things for your lifestyle which you can you know, it's one thing to sell your business and after the fees and the taxes end up with this tidy sum. But when you look at the safe money rate of return, will that income generate the kind of lifestyle you've been accustomed to? Pay for your country club, your car, you know, those types. People forget about that. Right. Because the, the interest rates are low and you're not going to gamble on your life savings, which came from your business. Right. Um, so having this discussion with you, where you can explain to them how valuation works and what they need to do, is certainly probably the most the best hour or two of their their year because then right. they get set straight.
2: Yeah, I mean, a part of it, part of it, part of it is not just giving them a number too. I think we can take a look at businesses and the type of business they are, what markets they're in at, you know, what their client base looks like, and we'll, we what can tell them look. This is what I think you, the business is worth. I think this is also the way the terms of a transaction are going to go down. You know, maybe you'll get all your money up front, but maybe you won't. And if you don't, then then you can expect this amount down, and probably it's going to be paid out over time in this way. So I think, I think it's it's not just a price you got to give them. You got to kind of give them perspective on what the what the nature of the transaction looks like. Yeah, and because- so they can plan from there as well.
1: You know. Do you you find that uh, business owners put too much wealth in their business without a plan to get it out? Um, Yes. I mean, I
2: think that's probably, uh, that's the rule and not the exception. I think it is, you know, the, the, the owners who, I mean, the best ownership position to be in is, is, is one where you've managed to set aside a fair amount over time and, in your retirement funds and and then you on top of that you know you still have the whatever value you can get out of your business to to you know to cushion you additionally on that and so i think it it takes a lot of pressure off the owner to sell a business for a set price <clears throat> they can be more flexible in the sale yeah. um, and and but for owners who haven't done that you know it's, it can be pretty dicey and uh you know i think they and so it's it's you know you just don't want to get trapped in your business really I, I think for for some of these people which we see
1: I um I, I get this question asked me all the time and people say well when when should I think about selling this business and I said and I tell them the minute you buy it because right.
2: yeah 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 that's right
1: <laughs> that's right because there's so many systems. That enhance the value down the road. That you've got to start right away, like you said, the financial and the accounting system. Yes, it can't, it can't be sloppy. You got to build. Yeah. culture.
2: And yeah, and a little bit. You know, it was. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. Um, and you know, a lot of owners, that you see, they, they didn't get in business to, you know, develop their financial systems and and in terms of operating their business. But you know, I, I think back to when I was partners in this manufacturing company, is that that my partner was a former CFO, CPA, he owned another business, I ran this business, but what he did for me, and I probably would not have done on my own, is um, that association and that partnership put in place from the get-go, a really good, strong cost accounting system in the manufacturing operation. And so, uh, you know, it, it with without realizing it, we were sort of adding some pretty significant value there. Um, you know, and and but most owners don't, you know, <clears throat> may, may not be in that that kind of position where their partners has a strong finance background and, and it sort of helps you get that that in place. So, you know, more I think, I think from my perspective. If you, have, if you haven't got your financial reporting in place, there's nothing more important than that because that drives all kinds of conversations beyond it. So, so you're right. I think that's uh you know, the, the if you focus on, on, on your, you know, on trying to understand the value in your business and how you can make it more valuable from day one, then it'll just be a better business period. You know, it'll do all kinds of good things for you.
1: We. Well, you know, that's why I, I, I suggest to people that if you're toying with it, if they bought a business, maybe they should have a conversation with you because, you know, it's like if you're going to put a lot of money and buy a stock on the market, you'd learn all you could about that stock before you put $200,000 into it, you know. And right. you're putting your life fortune in these businesses, so you have to know. And unfortunately, you know, listen, I've been in practice 50 years. I've talked to a lot of businessmen. And they make widgets good, but they don't know much about business and they don't learn quickly. I'm a big believer on assessments, giving client or business owners assessments to um, uncover questions that they didn't even know to ask. Right. So when you do an assessment, Jeff, do you do some kind of an assessment or you have a a procedure that they can? Yeah, so. So I, you know, I, I would say, you know, we don't, I mean, in, in
2: our industry there's a whole segment of people and advisors who do exit planning. In other words, they're going to, and, and so they're going to, they're going to provide coaching, accounting, the whole thing in terms of trying to enhance the value of a company over a multi-year period of time. And um, we, we don't provide those kinds of services. I mean, I think frankly, so, so when we do a, a uh, evaluation, really, um, we're taking a pretty thirty thousand foot view of of the operation and and giving you a general sense within plus or minus, ten to fifteen percent of the number, you know what where your valuation is going to be, where what the what how the market would bear, in terms of paying a price for it, and so within that. You know, so, so re- really our, our valuation is based on kind of looking at your numbers, recasting your numbers to understand what, what the true uh, earnings power of the business is. And then looking at your business along six different sort of criteria that we look in a very general way to understand <clears throat> kind of, you know, what the impact that some of these internal external factors will have on your business. <clears throat> and some of which, like, let me just read you the, I got, a, I got an opinion of value sitting on my desk and I'll tell you what it is. The, the uh, six things we look at are kind of overall what your management structure looks like, what your financial reporting is like, kind of what end markets you're selling into, you know, what your customers look like. Uh, do you have any supplier potential issues? And where do you compete, you know, in the market relative to other companies? So, you know, we'll 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 take a valuation up or down depending upon where you sit on that grid a little bit.
1: Actually, that's that's that, that, that's a nice assessment, those six questions, Jeff. Yeah. It gets it's really at the 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 end result, the the zero game here is you want to have those things in play by the time they're ready to go to market. Right. So that's that's a real nice assessment to start off. So it, it's just these things that people need to know as a business owner and right. not just know that they can make a good widget, you know? Right. Um, yeah, I mean,
2: it, I think it's, uh, I mean, the other thing is often I think about is, um, you know, it costs some money, but there's a thing that accounting firms do called the quality of earnings report. And it's it's really a big dive into, into the mechanics of a company. Um, and and really the private equity community uses a lot as a precondition to they hire accounting firms to to generate these reports as a precondition to making the investment because in many respects it's an audit of of the entire operation. And so uh, and it's sort of an analysis of of the strengths and weaknesses of the operation and the reliability of their of their revenue streams and and financials. And their earnings power, and uh, you know these things typically cost uh, you know thirty thousand bucks to generate. But if you're if you're a company, if you're a company, sort of, you know, if you're an owner that has a business that's that's pumping out a million bucks a year, I, I always say, you know what, you got to spend the money to see what a of uh, what what kind of quality earnings you really got, because it, it'll be real eye opening for you. Yeah. And it's exactly what 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 buyers are going to look at, professional buyers are going to look at. And so I think if, you, if that drops out, then uh whatever drops out of that report is something you ought to work on. Yeah. And frankly, yeah. if you're making a million bucks a year, you can afford
1: thirty I'm not going to, yeah. to do that. You know? Uh, yeah, no, that's no, that's good. <coughs> that's good yeah. to know. Uh hey Jeff, let's come back to the MA process. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the value of the uh, m a process to the business owner
2: yeah so so I, I mean i think that that um one one of the things we'd like to do we have a good business um, like right now i'm i'm selling a, a you know a manufacturing firm a nice manufacturing firm that has you know it's highly profitable it uh it's got a nice market and, Serves a couple of good markets. Uh, it's it's grown through the pandemic. Uh, it's got a branded products, well known products, got a good reputation. So I, you know, I the the way we take a the typical way of, of running through a process to to to, uh, to get them sold is that is that you know we'll draft up what we call the SIM. It's a confidential information memorandum, SIM for short. And really it's sort of the 20 to 30 page document, which outlines, gives a lot of information about the opportunity and we give to buyers after after they've signed confidentiality agreements. But we will, you know, for a company like that, we'll design sort of a marketing plan that will be, you know, geared towards contacting either strategic possible strategic drop buyers or the private equity community or individual buyers that we know within our database may be interested. So once we have the sim drafted, you know, we'll we'll put a kind of a two month marketing period together for that, where we will go out to those, you know, that list of strategic private equity individual buyers. And that that list may number may number you know three hundred to four hundred potential buyers. We outreach to all of them. I think that what, what drops out of that potentially is you may get you know fifty to sixty NDA signed on that. Well, people interested in buying it, and then uh, you know you're running. And that's that's through the first two to three months of a of a marketing process. And at the end of that time, I think what you're opening through all those conversations and discussions is uh, uh, you're you're winnowing that down to 60 NDAs turns into to you know 30 management discussions or meetings where we right now we're doing that primarily over Zoom calls, uh, and from that. It may yield you eight to ten um, you know, what we call indications of interest, which is really sort of a, a one-page offer on their view on what what they're willing to pay for the business and maybe the way way they're doing it. And then from that you select one to negotiate a what we call a letter of intent on, which which more thoroughly fleshes out what the what the nature of the offer, the transaction is going to look like. And then you begin to, you know, settle on that. On signing a letter of intent to uh, to bring a company, allow the buyer an exclusive period of time to do all the due diligence on the business and negotiate the binding purchase contracts with that. So, you know that that process, even when it's going quickly, takes um, you know five to six months. I say more typically, you know, any sale for us takes about nine months, and we're handling that all sort of with a lot of confidentiality. So. In mind, and and uh, you know who we market to, how we market to, and how we talk about the business, is always a real issue for for sellers, and we're sensitive to all of that that we handle. If done well, you know it keeps it keeps the world doesn't know that you're 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 selling other than the people who are have signed confidentiality agreements for
1: it. Yeah, which is important. That's
2: true. Yeah, important. that's right. And
1: what kind of businesses do you work with normally, Jeff?
2: Yeah, we like small manufacturing firms, uh, you know, business services firms, um, you know, it's a real mixed bag. I, I'd say that, that we've done, you know, over 13 years, we've probably done an 86, 87 transactions. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very general, our practice, um, you know, primarily we're focused on businesses in Connecticut, although we, you know, work with companies in Rhode Island and southern mass and and border areas in new york but uh you know, generally want we we want to stay pretty close to where who it is that we're selling and uh, so it's it's a pretty general practice we don't focus on particular markets i happen to like manufacturing businesses because i know something about them and and uh you know there it's a very active market for them right now and has been for a long time yeah definitely. um so but we, we, you know, as I often tell people, man, if you got a good set of financial statements that that we can understand, we can understand your business. And, uh, you know, we think that it would be attractive to, to in the marketplace, you know, and you're willing to work with us and we'd like to work with you.
1: You know, uh, Jeff, you come out uh, with this survey in Connecticut. Um, this is a wonderful survey that you guys do with marketing and Zngari's law firm yeah it's it's really succinct it's easy to read uh can you give us an overview of this year's report because we're running out of time but don't rush but yeah I give the and also where can we get this report
2: um you know you can you can email me Tom I mean I'm I'm uh, my, my email is Jeff at jeFFs at vrnewhaven.com. And, uh, you know, I'd be happy to to send you the the PDF file on that. Um, you know, I think we've been running this thing with Barcom and Zangari for, this is our fifth or sixth year doing it. And, uh, you know, we were sort of interested this year in terms of what people thought sellers would be with the effect of, of the the pandemic. And, you know, as it matched the transaction market, I think, people thought it was gonna become more of a, you know, not, not so good for sellers. And that was the case. And, and uh, you know, I think people by uh, owners were looking to, uh, um, you know, defer their s- sale decision kind of until the, the, the picture cleared. And that's what we saw sort of in, in the transaction market generally. Uh, so it, it very much married what was going on with the national market here in Connecticut. But there's, you know, there is a a as it does every year that it shows that uh, um, you know there's not enough focus on kind of the exit planning aspect of a of a a company's business, and they really should begin to think about that more.
1: Yeah, as a matter of fact, I was going to bring that up. But at least this year, um, uh, you have uh, more people that have at least an idea that they they're aware of uh, exiting where last year it was 37% now it's 31 uh who right. didn't have a so that was really good and i noticed also jeff that last year the sellers market had a was it was pretty good it's shrunk this year it it shrunk but the buyers market looks very very strong again in 2020 like you were talking about and right. so I, I guess what I'm going to say is this is a report that business owners should have in their hand, especially if they're getting to that point where they're thinking about doing something with their business uh, sooner than later. And what I'll do, Jeff, is I'll uh, put all the contact information in the show notes. Okay. And, and this way they can contact you about getting this survey and whatever. Um Jeff, anything about this report that you want to uh, bring up or talk about? Um, yeah, you know,
2: I think I think Tom. The, I mean, the reason we started doing it was was and 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 really uh, in our industry we proselytize a lot about about owners um, uh, getting serious about understanding and and participating and 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 committing to planning how it is if they're going to exit their business. And so, you know, the reason we do it with a law firm like Zingari, Cohen, and Cuthbertson, and, and and frankly, Markham, you know, accounts and advisors is that any time, if, if the idea between exit planning is not that you're just someday going to wake up and decide to sell your business, is that you need to build sort of a team of advisors who can help you out to get to that point where it's the time and the right time, and you've done the right things to your business to to make it the best possible transaction and And so I think that that you know it's it's really an ongoing issue and an ongoing effort really for us to to keep talking to owners about about uh, you know thinking about this because often they're not. and um, um, you know, I think it is. It is uh, it's incumbent on them, you know, for for just feeling good about what what it is that they they've built and at the end of their careers to to make sure they get the most value for it and all the
1: hard work they put into it. Yeah, and and you're, uh, you're, you're right. Uh, yeah. A lot of hard work, a lot of money, and uh, and the dream. It's really the dream, and they can have yeah. the dream if they do the right things. Right. 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 Um, Jeff. Uh, I, the, I'll the i put your contact information and so if anybody wants to talk to you or uh, give you a call to get to know you better, they can email you or call you, is that all right? That sounds good. Yeah, and uh, I will also uh, make sure that if you want the survey that you'll contact Jeff or myself, I'll make it available. Um, Jeff, thanks so much for taking the time uh, in your schedule to uh, talk about this subject. It's been one of my uh, uh, important subjects for most of my career. As a matter of fact, in my book, I spent a lot of time talking about value drivers for business owners and kind of reiterate what Jeff was talking about today. But he's the broker. He knows it better than I do. Um, So, Jeff, again, thank you so much. Uh, for coming on the show.
2: Yeah, thank you, Tom, and and I, I very much enjoyed it.
1: Thank you, Jeff. Well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening. It was a good show today, and uh, if you would help us out by subscribing, click a like. Uh, if you have any ideas or thoughts that you would like to share with us, please email me at tperrone, that's P-E-R-R-O-N-E, at N-E-C-G-G-I-N-C dot com. And if you are a business owner or you know business owners that would like to participate on our show, certainly let me know. We certainly welcome everyone who is a business owner to help people out there that are running businesses with great ideas and strategies to make them successful. So again, thanks for tuning in. I certainly appreciate it.
0: Thank you for tuning in. Whenever you're ready to grow and protect your business while creating more balance in your life, here are three steps you can take. One, subscribe to this podcast. To request a free copy of Tom's newly published book, Unlocking Your Business DNA, email Tom at tperone at N-E-C-G-G-I-N-C, Inc. Dot com. And on the subject line, type DNA. Include your mailing address. And thirdly, take the one minute scorecard and report to see how efficient you are in your business planning. Email tperone at necgginc.com and request scorecard. For additional information, click the show notes.